Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this beautiful day. Hey, you know what? I hate to say it out loud, but I think we're going to have less wind the next couple days. And it is going to be an incredible weekend to get out there and enjoy the outdoors. And we're going to help you do it. Uh, It's going to be warm. It's going to be pleasant to be out there. We're going to talk a lot of fishing today. Uh, Runoff is picking up. We're going to cover that a little later in the show. Uh, One of the things, you know, even though the wind is down, the fire danger is still high. Now, we're supposed to get pretty nice weather for the next week. And then there's some chances of rain in the forecast. And then cooler weather, uh, not this coming week, but the week after. So we'll watch that real close. But right now, be just really careful. Because even without that high wind, everything is tinder dry. Let's let's enjoy the outdoors, but maybe we don't need the campfire. Make sure you're not smoking outdoors. Just be really careful. We don't want to see any more tragedies like we've had over the last few years. So just take that to heart. You know what? Let's just get started. There's so much to talk about. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from up in the Granby area is uh, Dan Shannon. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Terry. You know, I was going to ask you if you've done any good lately, but Karen just showed me a picture on Facebook of a huge lake trout you guys got yesterday, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, last night I uh, took a little break from from house building and then went for a little little uh, fishing trip and put a, put a nice fish in the boat. How big was that? Uh, it was about 37 inches. It was, it was, a, it was nice healthy, fish. though. It was probably pushing 20 pounds, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was really fat. Nice-looking fish. Well, well, you know, I want to get in. We don't talk enough about the size of fish and what you can catch at Granby. Maybe we should start with that. How is the fishery in Granby? Every indication I get that it's really healthy and good. What are you seeing out there? Yeah, the lake trout population is strong. There's really, really solid numbers. Um and definitely, it seems like a good population of the larger fish. I wouldn't say it's a huge population, but uh, they're definitely out there and, and catchable. One of my um, things about fishing lakes like Granby, Grand Lake, even Williams Fork, or any of the lake trout lakes, Blue Mesa, of course, is that, you know, you can go out there and you can, if you can find the smaller keeper type fish you can have a good time having lots of action but if you want to focus a little bit you might catch the fish of a lifetime at almost any time and it's it's just such an experience let's start out talking about Granby and go through some of the lakes in your area you just recent the how's the water levels and i understand that the boat ramps are just opening up up there yeah, so the water levels are coming up right now. Um, they're really doing, seems like they're putting a lot of water in. Granby right now is about 28 feet low from full. So that that's good, considering we ended the ice season at about a little over 40 feet low. So it's come up a bit in the last month and a half. The ramps did just open uh, last weekend so for, for Granby. Um, and the fishing out there has been really good for both keeper-sized fish and for the trophies. Uh, we're really getting a good mix of each. Now, uh, Granby, the, uh, we'll get to some of the other lakes, too, but all the boat ramps aren't open up there. Is that right? So Stillwater and Sunset are both open right now. What about some of the other lakes, like Shadow and Grand and Williams Fork? Uh, so uh, Shadow and Grand, they just opened up this morning. 
Um, so those are just bulletable as of a couple hours ago. Um, and Williams Fork will be opening up tomorrow. So things wow, are that's awesome. started out here. Yeah, that's really awesome. And springtime is probably one of, well, it's probably one of the best times to fish. You know, two times I used to fish Granby all the time, or the lakes up there were springtime. And, and then, of course, in the fall, during around the spawn time. And around the spawn, it was more of a numbers game. But springtime can be, it can be a numbers game, but it can also be one of the best times to go after big fish, can't it? Absolutely. You know, lake trout being a cold water species and that water is below 50 degrees like it is at ice off. It uh, gives everybody opportunity to get after the fish, even short, from shore anglers to people out in the boat. So it really, really is a great time of the year to, to chase chase lake trout, both the large ones and the and the number size. Why don't you take us through the overall fishing at Granby, lake trout, the others, what you're using, what you're seeing out there? So right now we're seeing a lot, a lot of shore anglers out working the banks. Um, they're going to be throwing spoons, working uh, working crankbaits, uh, and the key there. Is just getting out and and putting some putting some dirt under your feet and just covering shoreline. You know, you're finding we're finding fish on mud, we're finding fish on rocks. It really is just all about covering water this time of the year. Um, that's for the lake trout. You know, one of the things about with the lake trout, you're going to find the brown trout when you get into the rockier areas. The springtime for for browns is a great bite that you can get out there and you can really do some big numbers if you get the right conditions. A little bit of wind blowing into a rocky shoreline and and put on a like. Uh, a crankbait or a small spinner or a small tube, work it erratically. And we've been, we've been catching browns, some of them pushing a little over 20 inches. So uh, we really can do have a great bite for brown trout with, with the right conditions this time of year. And that holds for, for not just Granby, but it also is a great bite on Grand Lake as well, something that often gets overlooked. I think a lot of people don't understand the, the, the brown trout bite there and how good it is because they go up there and concentrate on the Lakers, and they really can miss out. And that can be said for the rainbows too, right? Absolutely. You know, the rainbows have all pushed up into, we have the water and the runoff is peaking in some of the inlet creeks, and that's just pushing nothing but food down in, and those rainbows really concentrate in the mouths of those right now. So that can be some, bite as well. Do you get some size to the rainbows? Uh, they're averaging about 14 to 16 inches. They're not... They're not huge. They're, they're a couple of holdovers, and they're doing a pretty good job of keeping the stocking up on them. So we do get a fair number of stockers, but you'll you'll get you'll get holdovers this time of the year because they haven't done a lot of stocking yet. Well, since the water's so cold and those lake trout are everywhere, how often is somebody in there fishing rainbows with maybe eight pound test and or six pound test, and a big laker comes up and just takes their bait? I was talking to an angler. Uh, the other day, who was was uh, had smaller lures on uh, casting for rainbows and hooked into a 36 inch laker. So it does happen. Six pound test. <laughs> yeah, that'll 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 get you excited, won't it? So, and, and you're you're starting to do trips. I'm sure guiding. Is you're heading out. Let's take Granby first. Is you're heading out into Granby? Are you are you are you kind of leaving it to the client whether they want to concentrate on numbers or are you specifically trying to hunt big fish and what kind of techniques are you using from the boat? So from the boat, it kind of depends on the client, you know, well, the numbers fishing this time of year, we can really do big numbers. It's, it's, uh, the fish are, they're getting active and they, they're really putting on the feed now that it's ice off. So big, big numbers, but also a great chance of catching trophies. So I've done a mix of both trips so far this year, uh, for the week that we've been out there. Um, 
we're doing uh, a fair amount of casting shorelines, kind of like the opposite of what you'd be doing from shore. We're just out there cruising shorelines and fishing the shallower areas, looking for looking for the bigger fish, uh, spoons, crankbaits again, uh, throwing tubes. When we're doing tubes and we're casting them, we're throwing a little bit lighter heads, um, but still sticking with that same five, six inch size tubes. But now we're just casting them and looking them back in. Um, if we're out for numbers, we're going to be focusing on transition areas. So like areas that, that uh, where rock and mud kind of eat each other, and that tends to concentrate food. And we'll find a lot of the number of size lakers out there. And we'll be jigging for those with small plastics, your typical tubes, so twisty tail grubs, uh, what's it grubs, just anything small. And it tends to be, it's been dark color so far this year and kind of natural. We haven't gotten anything on the glow or crazy stuff yet, but. You know, at some point, that that always comes into play as well. You know, you talk about the the number size fish, and we talk about them like they're tiny fish, but they range probably what fourteen to twenty two inches, something like that. Absolutely. So our average fish out here is between sixteen to eighteen inches, and it's it's not. I mean, catching twenty, twenty one, twenty two inch fish in the same areas is not not uncommon at all. Now, it probably is uncommon that you catch a 30 or a 40-inch fish when you're catching those numbers, though, right? Yeah, typically it is. Um, there's times of the year that you'll they'll, they'll mix together, but just not in the springtime. Um, that tends to be more a little bit of the late summer and fall when you start getting the big fish mixed with the small fish. But um, this time of the year, they're pretty segregated, so if you're catching smaller fish, it's probably not a big fish in the area. Go ahead and get out and move and get a little bit different piece of water just to find what you're looking for. Before we move on, how long will that shallow bite go? I mean, it depends on weather, obviously, but the fishing will still be good, but the fish will start to move when the water warms? Yeah, so the fish the fish kind of move with the water temperature, so it all depends on what kind of uh, weather we get. And as uh, typically, the shallow stuff lasts for about two weeks, uh, maybe three, just depends. I think we're expecting, like you said, some nice days coming up so that'll typically warm the surface up and the surface right now is floating around 43 44 degrees at the end of the day so it's already starting to creep up um and those fish as the water temp bumps up they just keep moving down to to the depth that provides them with that comfortable where they're comfortable in the water temp so um it's kind of the way we fish them Real, real quick, why don't you take us through the other lakes in the area? And since they just opened, you probably don't have too much of a report, but what is kind of going on that you, or what do you anticipate? So what I anticipate is, you know, Grand Lake is one of my favorites to fish in the spring. Um, like I was talking earlier, that, that brown trout bite, you can get out and start casting those, those smaller crankbaits and spinners and then small tubes towards the shoreline. And you can really do well in that brown trout bite. That's a super fun one. And then, you know, like in the middle of the day, you pull your boat into the docks, go and have some lunch and get right back at it in the afternoon. Along with Grand Lake on there is you've got a good, uh, good number of size lake trout bite as well. Um, just drive around, use electronics till you find the find the fish, and then they're just like in, like in Granby. They're they're about sixteen to eighteen inches, but they tend to they're just kind of a neat fish out of that lake because they tend to have some different colors. Um, as you go over to Williams Fork this time of the year, this is a great lake trout time of the year over there as well. You know the fish, the ice has been off there a little bit longer, so the water temps going to be a little bit warmer. So you probably start a little deeper than you would. Um, on Granby, uh, so probably you're going to start probably in the 20 to 40 foot range over in Williams Fork. Um, but those fish over there haven't seen many lures. It's only been accessed right now from 
from hand launch boats only. So it's a great time of year to get out there and get after some lake trout that aren't educated yet. What about the pike on on Williams Forks? That come into play a little later. That comes in as that water warms up. You know, pike tend to relate a little bit more to water temperature in their activity. They're a little lethargic as the water's cold. And then we start getting into their spawn in June, and that's when that bite will, will really start picking up as the water's warming. They get into their spawning mode, and you can really put some, some big pike in the in the boat from that lake out, out there at Williamsburg. All right. Hey, a couple of things I want to go over with you. One is I'm having mixed reports about the amount of snow that's left in the snowpack, how much we might have lost on those warm, windy days that really didn't even get into the rivers. You mentioned that the runoff is starting up there. What are you seeing for snow, and is the runoff starting to get in full swing? All the little creeks up here, definitely, they're flowing out of their banks. So the runoff is definitely happening up here. Um, As far as the snowpack, I've kind of heard mixed reports, too. I've heard reports that we have 80% snowpack, and then you get to a different basin, and we're at 100% snowpack. But I think in the Middle Park area, we're in that 80 to 90%. So we're going to be a little bit low, and... uh, I would like to see the lakes fill up, but I don't know if that's quite going to happen this year, especially with what's going on downstream um, in the Colorado River system. Yeah, so there is still quite a bit of water to let to melt off up there, though, you think? Yeah, there's still quite, there's still a fair amount of snow. Um, we're, I mean, sitting Lake Granby is sitting 8,700 feet, and you look up about 95 to 10,000, there's still a fair amount of snow up there. So we do still have snow. It's not all gone yet. Um, I guess it's kind of the wait and see as to how long this runoff's going to last, and that'll kind of be our, our telltale as to what happens for the rest of the summer and our water levels. Isn't it always? So, Dan, if somebody wants to book a trip with you or wants more information, how do they get a hold of you guys? So check us out on the on the web at fishingwithbernie.com. You know, we're on Facebook at uh, Fishing with Bernie as well. And all our contact info is on there. And uh, give us a call. One of If uh, I'm not available, we have three other guides that would love to get a chance to get you out there and get on some lake trout. But definitely call sooner rather than later because we are all booking up fast. Well, and this is the time. I'll tell you, the biggest lake trout I caught on Granby came in nine feet of water in the spring just like this. So it is the time to be up there, my friend. Hey, thanks for the information. Have a great rest of your weekend, Dan. Hey, take care, Terry. You bet. Dan Shannon, Fishing with Bernie. Great guys. And I tell you what, those fisheries are prime right now, folks. If you got time, whether you're in a boat or on shore, you need to get up there. And by the way, if you go to my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, there are a lot of... uh, a lot of videos of fishing with Bernie. Take a look at those. It'll give you an idea what you can do up there. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, um, we're going to be joined by Parks and Wildlife from Cheyenne Mountain. We're going to talk about some neat events going on there. That and so much more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Jax has locations up and down the Front Range. If you're an outdoor enthusiast and you haven't shopped at a Jax Outdoor Gear store, uh, just go check one out. You're going to be so surprised and so happy. Let's go to the phones. Joining us from Cheyenne Mountain State Park is Beth Hill. Good morning, Beth. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. It's a beautiful day up here in Fort Collins. What's it like down there at Cheyenne Mountain? You know, it's pretty nice here, too. (laughs) It's these are the times when it's nice to live in Colorado, isn't it? Definitely is. 
Why don't you tell people where Cheyenne Mountain Park is located, and then we'll kind of describe the park to them. Okay. So we're located on Cheyenne Mountain uh, next to Fort Carson. So we're like right across from the East Gate to Fort Carson. And, of course, Cheyenne Mountain is also known for NORAD. So we can kind of see some of that from the park. And it's a, it's a, um, it's a, you have some events coming up we want to talk about, but before we get to them, it's a full use park. It doesn't really have a water feature, but you really do camping and trails. What kind of camping do you have year round camping available there? Yeah. So we have year round, um, over 60 campsites. They're mostly full hookups. It's just like 10 campsites that aren't full hookups. Um, and then we have two brand new cabins that people can use as well. So those are pretty cool. And um, for trails, we've got like over 27 miles. So we're a big trail park. And we even have a bike and equestrian use on some of our trails. You know, speaking of the cabins, I want to just circle back to that. I used to talk more about those. A lot of the parks throughout the system have cabins and yurts in them. And those cabins, um, they range from just modest little cabins that are very inexpensive to some full, almost luxurious cabins. Describe the cabins you have at Cheyenne Mountain. You know, they're they're just adorable. They're brand new. They'll hold up to six people. So they have like these double uh, bunk beds. I think they're like queen size on top and bottom and then a pull-out couch. Um, there's a, a bathroom in there with a shower. Um, a little kitchenette area where there's a fridge and I think a stove and then um, there's a table and then out back there's like a patio area where you can grill or roast marshmallows and stuff. So they're they're pretty cute. Now the cabins, um, they vary from park to park and type of cabin to type of cabin. But what I've seen is the rates on them are just tremendous. Um, they do book up pretty quick and all your cabins and your campsites, I imagine, are on your reservation system. Is that right? Yep, that is true. And you mentioned the trails. You have trails at Cheyenne Mountain that really can take you from very easy, um, accessible trails up to some pretty demanding hikes, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You talk. Uh, people talk about doing the Manitou Incline all the time, and some of these trails, yeah, I think you'd get a great workout on them as well. Yeah, they really gain in altitude. Now, you have a couple events coming up. Uh, one of them tomorrow, in fact, and one next week. Let's talk about those. Tomorrow you have an event in conjunction with the Lunar Eclipse. Tell me about that. So they're calling it a star party, but you're right. It's about the Lunar Eclipse, and it's starting at 8 p.m. and going to midnight. It's being put on by the Colorado Springs Astronomical Society. And basically what they're going to do is they're going to have one to two dozen astronomers there with their own telescopes. Um, they're going to show people how to take pictures of the eclipse through their telescopes using your smartphone. And then, of course, you can talk to any of them and uh, ask them to direct their telescopes in different directions to view other stars, other constellations, and asterisms. You know, and people who've only looked at these uh, the skies for these different events from the city, I know even sitting in my hot tub, I look up and I see at night the different constellations. But if you've never really gone into a darker area like a park that you're aware you're away from the city lights, and especially if you gain a little altitude, what you see is phenomenal, isn't it? It really is, yeah. And this group, while they're doing it with us, they also do like dark dark sky programs. Um, they do a lot of them like once a month with 
fluorescent fossil beds. So while this is cool to see the lunar eclipse, you know, um, they're always a good group, uh, the Colorado Springs Astronomical Society, to look up and see what other events they do, because you're right, it's just phenomenal what you can see. And that is tomorrow, 5-15, May 15th, and we're having that lunar eclipse, and your event is from 8 p.m. to 12. Other than just the park entrance, is there any fee for that? Nope, just the park entrance. All right, sounds like a fun time for anybody who's interested in stargazing and then with the lunar eclipse at the same time. What a great way to get away, and, and it's supposed to be nice, so it should be one of those nice, warmer evenings where there's, you know hopefully it won't have a lot of clouds. It should be nice. Now you have another event coming up on next week for kids. Tell me about that. So it's called Kids to Park. It's on the 21st, and it's starting at 10 a.m., And it's just a way of getting kids and families connected to um, the local park system and getting them interested in being outdoors for the summer. And what kind um, of events? Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, I was going to say, what kind of events will you have then? We're going to run um, some things, just uh, basic information on how kids can become junior rangers. Um, we're going to have a scavenger hunt. Uh, kids can learn how to do disc golf, which we offer at our park, and archery as well, which we offer. Um, learn how to do backyard bass, which is just fishing skills. And even though we don't have water, they basically fish them off of the pavement. <laughs> so things like that. And it just sounds like a great event. Again, I assume this is free except for the park entrance. Yes, that is correct. And it's next Saturday, and what are the times? So next Saturday, it runs 10 to 1, so people can come at any time. And I would imagine both these events have information on the website and Facebook page. Is that right? Yes, we have uh, both our website through CPW, if you look up our Park Cheyenne Mountain, and then also our, our Facebook page. All right, Beth. Sounds like a great time to get out and experience one of the fun parks in Colorado, Cheyenne Mountain, and some great events. Thanks for joining us and sharing that with us. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. You bet. You too. And enjoy this beautiful weekend and that beautiful setting you're in. That's uh, Beth from Cheyenne Mountain. You know, we forgot to talk, too, about the tons of wildlife watching there, too. You know, just going out to the parks, hiking and wildlife watching, you can have so much fun. In fact, we're going to talk about another park where it has some great fishing when we come back from this break. And when we do, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the wildlife and other things you can do at the parks. We have such a great park system here in Colorado. We're going to take a time out, with, come back with more outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. <laughs> listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Do you know that Jack's not only has, like, fishing, hunting, camping, clothing, but the grilling stuff? Go by and take a look at their grilling accessories. Sometimes I go in there to get fishing gear and I get lost in the grilling session. You know how much I love to fire up my grill and cook outdoors. So check that out, too. Hey, let's go to the phones. Joining us. From Ridgeway State Park is Aaron Vogel. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, Terry. You know, we're having a beautiful day on the Front Range. I hope you're having that over in your part of the state, too. Yeah, we are this morning. It was a little cold, um, around 35 degrees, but it's warming up quick, so we're hoping to get around 70 today. Clear skies. Yeah. 
70 sounds great over there. And it's going to be a little cooler in the nights, especially because you're a little bit at altitude, or at least you're kind of tucked into the mountains. I always tease the people over there what a terrible view you have, don't you? Uh, definitely. We don't have any views at all. Nothing. <laughs> No, it's one of the prettiest, most incredible parks. Why don't you tell people where it's located? Yeah, we're just north of Ridgeway, the town of Ridgeway, so um, and close to Uray, and then also south of Montrose. Um, but, yeah, we're also at the base of the San Juan Mountains, and so out from our visitor center, you are able to see Mount Sneffels, which is one of the uh, 14ers uh, in Colorado. Yeah, it's a beautiful, it's, it's a, you can't describe, you can't do it justice on the radio. You know, we talk about theater of the mind, but there's some views you just have to see. You just don't do justice even with a, with a picture. Now, I know you've got a lot of events and ongoing things for people to come to the park, but before we even get to that, um, let's talk a little bit about the park. Uh, one of the features, of course, is Ridgeway Reservoir. What's going on there? I understand they had to do some work, so the water's a little low right now. Yeah, our reservoir is a little bit low, um, but it's coming up. Um, yesterday, I checked the flows, and we're at 85% um, full right now. Um, so we hope to be full throughout the season, uh, but there might be some times where they have to drop it uh, just for some irrigation or if they need to do any other work on the dam. But, yeah, we're a 1,000-acre reservoir, and currently we're open for boating. We have our boat inspection station that's open 7 to 7, and um, we have a few different launch points for non-motorized uh, boats as well. Yeah, it's a great lake for boating. Um, it's a beautiful, the water, the view, everything's beautiful. Glad to hear the boat ramps are open. Sounds like you're in good shape. <laughs> um, is, is the, are you seeing a lot of snow left in the mountains? I know just by looking you can't tell, but does it seem like there's still a lot of snow to melt? Yes. Um, looking out from our visitor center right now, um, there are still white, white-capped mountains, um, definitely Mount Snaffles, and then over onto the east, our Cimarron Range definitely has some snow there, too. Now, before we get to your events again, New Park on a regular base offers a lot of great amenities. Uh, Year-round camping, I believe, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. In the winter, we do keep one loop open. Uh, it's an electric site, sites only, and then we do have three yurts, uh, which are really cool. They have um, room for six people. They have heating and uh, a microwave, a fridge, and in the summers, they have uh, air conditioning. Those yurts are really interesting. You know, those come from uh, the mountainous areas over in India and Nepal and all those areas. They really are a unique structure, aren't they? Yeah, they're so great. And I had, I was able to stay in one this spring and it was very cozy. I was really thrilled to be able to experience it as a visitor. You also have a lot of trails there, right? Yeah. Yeah, we have 21 miles of trails here at the park and um, they're great for hiking and um mountain biking for a lot of them too and people of course will see a lot of wildlife deer birds those type of things but i know a lot of people are listening carefully right now wondering do you do any fishing there and boy your uh ridgeway is really known for its big browns it's produced some giant browns but it has i think brown smallmouth kokanee and rainbows is that right yeah yeah that's that's our list and how how good has the fishing been there it's been pretty good. I talked to some fishermen yesterday, and they um, people out on kayaks were catching uh, some brown trout. So they're having success uh, kind of over by our Dallas Creek area. 
And isn't there the river? Is the river? Is there an inlet or an outlet or right next to the reservoir? The river is. Yeah, um, flowing into so the river actually flows north, <laughs> and uh, it flows into the reservoir, and that's some good areas to to fish in. And then on the other side of the dam, um, there's some tailwaters that are good for fly fishing. All right. Now, you have a lot of activities during the summer. So people come out. They not only get to go to some of the most beautiful areas in the state. There's camping. There's good fishing. It's just gorgeous wildlife trails. But you, like, I think last month you had a ton of educational groups and programs. And those type of things continue through the year, don't they? Yes, they do. They do. And we're really fortunate to have a a seasonal naturalist that has been at our park for at least five years. And so she has some great knowledge uh, uh, with a teaching background and uh, has great knowledge of the park and the area as well. What what other types of uh, events or activities go on there? Say, I've come out to go camping. What can I expect? Are you going to say in the month of June, are you going to have speakers? Are you going to have clinics? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, every weekend in uh, the summer, starting in June, we'll have on Friday, Saturday nights, we'll have an evening speaker series here at the visitor center um, where we just touch a, a bunch of different topics um, from, you know, photography to art um, to, you know, wildlife species that you can see out in the park, um, native plants, those types of things um, and for our speakers. Series. And then every Saturday in the morning, we have on the first Saturday of the month, we'll have archery. Um, and it's just kind of an intro to archery. Um, all ages are welcome. And then on the second and fourth Saturday of each month, we do something called Nature Detectives, which is also meant for um, kids, uh, elementary to high school, um, using clues from nature to look for signs of animals or specific behavior that you're seeing out in the park and just kind of identify what's happening in nature at that time. And then on the third Saturday of each month, um, we do fishing clinics. And so we'll do a variety of different types of clinics, you know, like a 101, or um, if you want to try out fly fishing, we have some great activities to get you at that better cast. It's always that figuring out that tenant too. And so, um, yeah, we have quite a few things uh, that happen consistently throughout the park uh, during the summer. So if you want to get away from the hustle and bustle of the front range and even though it's got a terrible view with nothing to look at, come out and have some fun. Ridgeway would be the place to go, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> and the view is gorgeous, of course. You know, one of the things we don't talk enough about on the show is in order for parks to provide all the amenities they do and the services and the activities, it takes a lot of both volunteers and seasonal workers, doesn't it? Absolutely, yes, yes. And we have quite the amount of dedicated volunteers um, and staff that come back year after year to um, provide their expertise in the park, and um, they really just want to give back. So we are very grateful to have their help and support throughout the summer season especially. If somebody was interested in volunteering or seasonal work for the parks, which might be kind of late, but there's always needs because there's 40-some parks in the state, um, what are some of the types of activities that y- you guys use volunteers for at your park? Yeah, and our park, um, I think our biggest ones are camp hosting, um, helping our maintenance department with a variety of projects, you know, painting or staining or mowing, um, bigger projects like irrigation. Um, so those are specific skills, of course. But um, we also do um, some education 
um, working with different school groups or um, working with those events that we host in June. Um, Bluebird and Raptor monitoring is something that goes on year round. Um, we do trail work a lot in the summer, and so we get a, a list together kind of around this time, and then we have people come out throughout the summer when it's much better weather um, to do those, you know, clearing our trail corridors, uh, rerouting trails, diverting water, those types of things. If you're an advocate of Colorado State Parks, you use the parks, you're proud of them, you love our state, what, what better way could there be to take a little ownership and be part of the parks and take some pride in what the parks are doing? And I think you could do that for any of the parks. This is the best way if you're looking for maybe to volunteer or even seasonal work just to go to the Parks and Wildlife website? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. Um, we have a, a volunteer database where we post a lot of our opportunities throughout the state, um, including our wildlife areas. And um, that is CPW Connect. Um, that, that'll bring you to our portal, and it'll have a lot of the opportunities that are available right now. All right. Well, we have to run, Aaron, but sounds like a great place to come. I used to spend more time in that part of the state. I need to get back out there again because it really is gorgeous and beautiful out there. Thank you for sharing it with us. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. All right. You bet. Aaron Vogel out from Ridgeway. What a beautiful area, I'll tell you. It is fantastic out there. All right, guys, we're going to talk some fishing. Next couple segments, we're going to be joined by Brad Peterson and by Matt Ensley, and we're going to talk a lot of the warm water fishing here on the Front Range, and then we're going to switch gears and do a little mountain, what's going on with runoff fly fishing information. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Got you down and the world's crashing all around. You can always count on me. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors 1043 The Fan. Ty, thank you for playing that little cut out of one of my songs. It's on our EP, Wickstrom and Dobrith. If you ever to listen to our music, go uh, <clears throat> search Wickstrom and Dobrith on your favorite streaming service or on social media and follow us. We'd appreciate it. Let's go to the phones, though, and talk some fishing. Joining us. One of our favorite contributors, he's a regular on the show here. He started his career with the Fisherman staff. He's a guide in the area. I've got the pleasure of spending time on the water with him, Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. And it finally is a beautiful morning, isn't it? Yeah, we finally uh, have a day out here where the weather's decent and we don't have that little nasty W word going. I, I I let it slip out earlier, so I hope I didn't screw anything up. But it's going to be a great weekend. In fact, the next week looks pretty good to get out. And then we could get some rain or cooler weather, which we need. But right now, things are starting to pop. I, I believe you're on Boyd Lake right now. Is that right? Yep, we're out, to, out on Boyd Lake chasing a few walleyes around. Why don't you give me an update on Boyd, but then I want to talk to you about some other waters, too. Uh, Boyd's starting to warm up. It was 56 this morning, which is uh, about 4 or 5 degrees warmer than it was last weekend. And the fish are starting to move out of the basin, and we're starting to find a few fish up here in that uh, kind of that 12 to 15-foot range, a uh, mixture of walleyes and perch. And they're starting to go on, on live bait, you know, bottom bouncers and, 
and spinner rigs and some of that type of stuff. It, we're you're just right on the, the leading edge of that right now. So uh, I think this next week it should get good and, and stay good for probably uh, through early June and especially when they start putting water in. They're talking about uh, some water coming in the last week of May here. Yeah, and it is fairly low right now. Is that right? Yeah, it's about 16 feet lower than normal. So uh, it's it's kind of concentrating those fish. You don't have a lot of the real shallow stuff. Uh, so if you're wanting to go out and just chase bass, uh, picking a good shoreline in that kind of seven-foot range and uh, either pitching swim baits or crank baits or catching some fish, the white bass seem to still be deep. And then uh, if you want to... Uh, try trolling shallow and you can get into some trout you know and i would think as the water flows in you said are they going to try to fill the lake you know yeah they're they're planning on having it full and with the new inlet they put in just a couple years ago they can fill this lake up in about uh, eight days so they're putting a ton of water in and as that water comes in typically if it doesn't drop the temperature too far and with this warm weather we're having, it will start to drive fish shallow, don't you think? All species almost. Yeah, it'll drive fish shallow and also will push a bunch of fish, particularly the trout, the uh, the white bass, up to that current area. Um, so as soon as that starts going in, it's a good time for shore anglers to be able to uh, get into fish right there in that marina cove area. All right. I want to talk to you about some of the other Northeast lakes. You know, we've been talking all over the last month that everything seems to be a couple weeks behind. Even though we had some very warm, dry weather, we also had some cold days and some cold nights. And the lake temperatures are probably coming up a little slower than normal. In fact, we're just seeing the runoff out of the mountains start to materialize within the last week or so to any volume. So what do you think that's doing to the the, the reservoirs in the northeast, have you had much update out there? Yeah, I mean, like what you're saying, Terry, most of the lakes are running a couple weeks behind. I was out at Sterling on Monday, and it was only 52 degrees. Uh, but you have to remember, just uh, a week ago this past Monday, Sterling and Jumbo in that area, they got an inch to an inch and a half of rain with some snow mixed in, really cold temperatures. So it's really kind of slowed the the progression of the lake temperatures on those bodies of water and uh, jackson is a little bit warmer all the lakes are full out in that area so we're we're at least starting from a good point but if i was going to go out there right now i probably uh this weekend would go out to jumbo um next weekend there's going to be a tournament out there at jumbo so i might try to avoid that one and and maybe look at uh, Pruitt as another option out that way. They had some good net counts out there. But uh, those lakes, where it's normally about the 15th of May, they really start going good. I think you're looking a little bit more towards Memorial Day uh, before those bites really turn on. You know, and I, you and I have talked quite a bit about those eastern reservoirs. I think that without knowing how much water we're going to be able to keep in the state, it isn't just that we fill the reservoirs, it's been so dry that we could see a lot of water calls from the farmers probably starting already. And if I was going to fish those lakes, I would plan on fishing them probably through June and the summer peak when those warm water species are really taken off. 
And then I'd reassess whether that's the best place to go or not, because we could actually see boat ramps close pretty early this summer out there. Yeah, if we don't get more moisture, I, I really fear that happening. I, I know some farmers out in the area that have already had to start irrigating their hay crop, and, and they're going to be irrigating their corn crop up. So um, we're having a, a much higher, earlier demand on the water in the South Platte Basin than we normally do. So I would agree with you. You know, the 4th of July, you could be pushing it to get boats launched in a couple of those bodies of water. But uh, that's that's probably, uh, you know, good advice to get out there during that from Memorial Day through Father's Day is going to be your peak time to get out there. Well, and I also, um, right now, though, if you were going, you might want to look at a couple of those lakes have really good crappie populations. And and even though maybe the walleyes and the wipers and white bass are a little slower than the normal for this time of the year, those crappie bites, I've heard uh, John Martin down in southeast, the crappie are on fire down there. So this morning on my Facebook page, I actually posted an interview with the biologist down there because the crappies are going and kind of let so people could listen to the lakes down there that have crappies. But Sterling and a couple of the others have pretty good crappies out there. But now you mentioned Pruitt. If you were going to go this weekend, I believe you said, how would you approach Pruitt? We have about two minutes. If you were going to head out there, say, tomorrow, how would you fish Pruitt tomorrow, do you think? You know, Pruitt's a, a big, flat bowl. And with it being no wake, the best thing I can tell you to do out there is to bring some planer boards Spread your presentation out and uh, just cover water. So I, I'd probably be trolling crankbaits, you know, near the, the bottom. I'd hit, I'd work my way towards the dam unless you see the, that the water's flowing in. If the water's flowing in, I'd go towards the inlet and I'd spread it out. And right now it seems like kind of that 1.7 to 1.9 speed when you're trolling crankbaits has been just about perfect. So that's what I would do, something in the, the number five to number seven. You know, like your shad wraps, your flicker shads, your uh, uh, rattling shad wraps, all those type baits are going to produce a lot of fish out on that body of water. And have you, and before I let you go, have you heard anything about the crappie bite? I have not heard anything about the crappie bite up there. Um, the one bite I have heard about that if people are looking to go a little bit further, um, you know, is Glendo. The bite is on fire. They've got a tournament up there this weekend but if you're looking for another spot next weekend glendo might be a spot to to check out i'll tell you what when glendo turns on in the spring it can be phenomenal have you heard the the water levels up in the trees there yet they aren't quite they're about uh, four feet from full pool so it's it's doing really good as far as water level and it's rising but uh it has not made it into the trees quite yet usually that happens kind of uh about the 20th to 25th of May when it starts to get in there. And I'll tell you what, Glendo can be a real gem of a walleye lake, and it's just fantastic. In fact, in the next, within the next couple of weeks, I hope to have some parks and wildlife people from Wyoming on. We're going to talk about people from Colorado going up and what it takes and all that. But, well, I'll tell you what, Glendo is always one of my favorite lakes. Brad, we've got to let you go, but uh, good luck out there. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Terry. All right, you bet. Brad Peterson, that was a great resource. Talk about Glendo. If you want to go to um, the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube, I have two trolling 
shows on Glendo. One was done early season, like late May, early June, getting ready for a tournament. The other one was done like in the July time frame when everybody used to think that bite would turn off. And uh, Gary Darling and I both did those together. Gary's an incredible walleye angler, great troller. And we just harvested fish. I mean, it was almost criminal what we did so well. We didn't keep very many, but I don't know if we even kept any, but we might have put a couple in the live well. But go to the Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom and watch those on Glendo. You'll get a great idea of that fishery. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the folks from Tightline Outdoors, and we're going to talk some bass and walleye on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at 104.3 The Fan. 